0: You're listening to Alicast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, I'm Monica Suk. With so many of us stuck at home and exercising outdoors nowadays, people are looking to lounge and sweat in style. I can't believe how much money I spent last year on leggings and joggers, looking for the right fit, material, and design that would really boost up my mood during lockdowns. That's what brought my attention to Sweaty Betty. It's a UK brand that just entered the Chinese market with an online store on Timo Global. Today, we have Lexi Morris, VP China at Sweaty Betty, and she's here to offer us insights into the fast-growing female sportswear market in China. We'll also be talking about Sweaty Betty's origins, developments, and future expansion plans. Thanks for joining us here today, Lexi. Hi, Monica. Thanks so much for having me. Who are Sweaty Betty's customers in the UK? Do you target the same demographic in China? Absolutely our target customer is an active and adventurous
1: woman. And I'd say it's much more about being active than age Mm -hmm. necessarily. Um, So we're really looking to dress her throughout her day, not just Mm -hmm. during exercise, but perhaps this idea of studio from studio to street. So on the way to work or perhaps to meet friends and to kind of support her in looking stylish throughout that pursuit of an active and balanced lifestyle so based around fitness and well-being Um, and so you'll actually find both performance um, as well as lifestyle pieces in our collections
0: it's been 23 years since you guys were founded can you give us an overview of female sportswear trend in china over the past several years and why now that you guys are entering to this market
1: Sweaty Betty, we were founded back in 1998 by Tamara Hill Norton. And we're really a global brand and community that empowers women through fitness and beyond. And as we look at China, and certainly for me, from a personal perspective of having lived here in China um, for more than 10 years now, actually. So across Beijing, Shanghai and Nanjing as well. I've lived in all three cities um, based here in Shanghai now. But for me, I've seen the rise and rise of gyms and studios. Uh, Certainly, at least that's true in in first and second tier cities here. Mm -hmm. And exercise and fitness becoming a part of a a daily life routine. And that's a really big change as well. I mean, Chinese women really didn't grow up playing very much sport. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. sport is not focused or focused on or prized really within the education system. The focus is much more on academic attainment, really. So it is an enormous change to, to see that. And for me here, I see yoga super popular. Um, as well as running as well but there does also seem to be an increasing diversity of the types of exercise that are available so i think that mm-hmm. really speaks to the popularity of wanting to be active so from spinning to aerial yoga uh, circuit training i've seen a lot of classes mm-hmm. with a regular dj there so like a live dj actually there with you and yes <laughs> um, which is which is great so um it's so yeah really it's, cool. it's super super interesting at the moment here
0: I can relate to that because I grew up in Asia as well, and even ten years ago, there weren't that many gyms um, no, really specialized no in. Yeah, really specialized in one category of sports, and even in school, like if you are athletic, then people kind of make an interesting eyebrow raise, thinking, "Oh, but you're a female." So that's there's been a big transition um, over the past decades or so. And I'm sure you guys did some research on this prior um, to the launch. Like, did you guys find anything interesting? Sure.
1: So I think you're absolutely right. There's this. There's this focus on well-being here today, I think. So being active is a lifestyle choice, um, but more personally, mm. it's about being able to have the resources to make that lifestyle choice. So having the time to exercise, uh, being able to go to the gym with girlfriends, having a gym membership even is almost mm. becoming a status symbol. And, um, and I think that's fascinating. And I think the other kind of element of it is that that focus on well-being is actually much less to do with losing weight. It's mm-hmm. much more to do with enjoying life um, and and kind of amplifying positivity as well. So I think fitness is really helping women to bring more energy and fun into their lives. And it's quite a different feeling from this kind of debit credit attitude that I think some of the Anglo-Saxon cultures have. It's almost that being healthy is you know, kind of a hedonism enabler in a way, (laughs) Um, you know, and and we saw that come out really strongly actually in in the research that we did. So prior to our Timor Global launch, we carried out some research here and we had lots of comments. I'll read you a couple actually. So we had um, the reason that I work out is so that I can drink more. Uh, As long as I can keep fit, then I can keep living life with joy. Mm-hmm. and um another one I, I thought this one was great actually wtf is my motto work travel food oh so okay. i think I thought, all I was of thinking that, it was something else balance, <laughs> yeah i know right i know um but you know all of that idea of kind of balance um and an active lifestyle enabling that balance as well really aligns very
0: nicely with our ethos here at, at sweaty betty too That's a great change, I have to say, because now, more than ever, health is the most important thing for you, for anyone. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you raised an interesting point about gym membership being tied to status. And I also have to say, what brand you wear for your yoga gears or gym gears is also a symbol of that. And I see so many great female sportswear brands, but only a handful are noticeable enough to be recognized as international brands. And I was wondering if there are some hurdles that your brand or other brands about experience in expanding into Asian market, what kind of hurdles they experience or challenges they have in China in particular?
1: totally and it's funny that you mentioned classes i always find that like when i'm in a yoga class you know upside down my eye will definitely be you know <laughs> roving and i'm like oh interesting what what top is she wearing you know what lego is that where are her yes. leggings from um it's actually yes. a great great time to check out everybody else's activewear so mm-hmm. um yes i i totally agree with that one um but yes absolutely so Launching uh, into China is challenging. I, I think there's, you know, there's really no two ways about that, and that's also, you know, the number of brands that have failed here. I think is is testament to that. For me, I kind of see three key. Uh, hurdles. The first one is actually around having an entity here in China, setting up a wholly foreign-owned enterprise. It's not that easy. And there are lots of things to be, lots of decisions to be made, I think, that can really slow that process down from Figuring out what your Chinese name is to, you know, what what Chinese characters, how are you going to translate your name such that it still has the resonance of your original name through to registered capital? How much money are you going to need to really be able to invest in the market and grow out your business? So I think setting up the Chinese entity can be very challenging. And then for me, of course, compliance. So importing into the market is also not that easy. The rules and regulations here are quite different. And ensuring that actually you've got all of those right can be a big challenge, I think, for HQ product and design teams who aren't used to some of the different requirements that the system has here. So compliance is a huge problem as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely something that 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 has to be tackled kind of early on and can take quite a long time to do too. And then the third one is of course, brand awareness, mm. even for us as a global brand. I mean, we've got uh, more than 150 stores and concessions where you can purchase us globally. And even with our presence in Harrods and Selfridges in London, in Nordstrom, Nordstrom in, in North America, we find that actually our brand awareness is, is very, very small here. I, I could even say zero, zero brand awareness. So that's a huge challenge too. You know How do you get scale of awareness of the brand at speed without breaking the bank? Definitely can be a real headache.
0: You mentioned about Chinese names and does Sweaty Betty have a Chinese name?
1: We do, although we're just in the process of registering it. So um I won't oh, tell you what okay. it is yet,
0: but watch this okay. space. <laughs> okay. I am finding fascinating how these brands come up with their localized names, especially in China, because every character's gotta have a meaning, right?
1: Absolutely. And you know, I think there's also the challenge around registering trademarks as well. So one of the reasons that so I won't tell you what our name is is just yet. Is because actually that's an incredibly, incredibly important part of your your thinking when you're entering in the market. Um, I think brands can often run into issues with copycats, and you've got to find a really stringent way to avoid counterfeiting um, or hijacking of the brand as well, particularly as a premium brand. So. For any brand that's considering coming into China, just ensure that you've registered your trademarks here. The system is first to file. So effectively somebody else could have filed your name. Uh, you may have been the first one to use it overseas or even in China, but uh, it's it's an incredibly incredibly important thing to be aware of um, right at the beginning, even even before you're you're looking at entering the Chinese market um, to have done your homework there.
0: I'm just going to shift the attention to Tmall Global, since that's where you guys are launching the store right now. You are familiar with Alibaba platforms. Even before joining Sweaty Betty, you were working for another global brand that was expanding in China market. So you're an expert. Why was the launch on Tmall so significant? And why Tmall Global and and Alibaba?
1: Number one, the, the top place for purchasing of leggings in China is Tmall. So that makes mm-hmm. it a very, oh, wow. very, very easy okay. decision. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So then if you look at the difference between Timor and Timor Global... Some of those challenges that I just mentioned around setting up an entity in China, compliance, as well as brand awareness, that's something that for me, Timor Global ticked the boxes in every single one of those areas, in being able to support us to deal with those challenges in a relatively easy and straightforward way. So, Timor Global obviously is the um, cross border e commerce arm of Timor. And that cross-border e-commerce arm or channel really makes it significantly easier for um, a, an international brand to be able to start actually shipping or selling to the customer based in China. The channel is, it's a special channel. It has a reduced tax. And actually, as long as the product is compliant in the country in which it's being shipped from, then, um, you know, you're actually able to sell it via that cross-border channel. So it's e-commerce only which actually worked perfectly for us. And you don't have to have an entity. So if we take each one of those challenges that I just mentioned, so China entity, not required for team or global compliance, as long as you're compliant in your home market, also no problem. And then the brand awareness piece, for me, what better way to start to raise brand awareness than to have your product actually able to be shipped and delivered to a customer in China. And for me, that's incredibly exciting, the idea that more and more women will be able to get their hands on a piece of sweaty Betty and actually to try, you know, to try our our, our incredible leggings, for example, and um, and actually, you know, feel the material, feel the quality of the fabric uh, and learn more about the brand. So for me, you know, absolute no-brainer. It was, it was a very, very easy decision. And um, I'm delighted to have launched on Timor Global. So we launched last Monday. Uh, it's been just over a week now. And uh, yeah, it's been going very well.
0: How's the progress so far? What kind of results are you guys seeing?
1: Yeah, it's good. So um, we're obviously coming up to Chinese New Year. Um, mm-hmm. So this is traditionally not a, not a big shopping time, I would say. Um, so it's a perfect time for us to launch in a in a kind of quiet period. We've very much mm-hmm. gone for a soft phase. We're not in any any hurry here. So what I'm looking towards actually is International Women's Day, which is on the eighth of March, and um, we'll certainly look to be doing some some interesting activations around that um, and interesting campaigns.
0: And I assume there's going to be big sales, too. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) It sounds like you guys found a perfect solution from brand's point of view. Um, But when you look at consumers' point of view, some people still prefer shopping in brick-and-mortar stores. But for some, obviously, these days, that's not even an option at the moment, given the lockdown restrictions and everything. And now now that we're forced to digitize, uh, bringing that offline experience will be a game changer for these brands. And how convenient is it for consumers to shop for your products on Tmode Global? I think that's really critical.
1: Mm, Absolutely. So I think Timor Global is a very interesting platform because of the variety of logistics options that you have. So you can fulfill directly from your warehouse based wherever it could be. For us, it's in in the UK. Or Mm -hmm. you can actually fulfill from a bonded warehouse based in mainland China. For us, the first option, the latter option, actually means that we are able to offer almost the full range of products that you would get if you were shopping on our global website um, or in our stores in the UK or in the States as well, because actually we're able to fulfill directly from the UK warehouse. So we have our pick of the entire range of product. And we can offer all of that through Timor Global. So at the same time, that also means that we're keeping our stock risk relatively low because we're not actually bringing any stock into the Chinese mainland. So also a very good solution for us there. Um, In fact, um, with my previous brand, actually, we used the other models. So we actually bought stock in. And for us, because we had a relatively limited range of product, but also not so much newness as well, then that was actually something that worked very well for us too. So for me, having the flexibility of those logistics options is actually brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and even fulfilling from the UK, you know, we'd be looking at um around about a seven day, seven to ten day shipping time, which really I mm-hmm. think is is not too bad at all. In order to be able to enable um, our, our customers to get their paws on our products, which is great, and I think the other side of this kind of convenience of Tmall Global is the test and learn factor. So, because it's easy for consumers to be able to purchase, then we have the ability to actually be able to see what she's buying um, and to collect some data, really, on you know what are her preferences, where is she going, you know what colors of our leggings, for example, is is she preferring, uh, you know, is it a pink tie dye? Or is it actually just a, a black or a classic kind of Navy legging and have the ability to get that product into her hands, get some reviews, um, and then, you know, and then be able to build from there. So it's, um, yeah, it's really great.
0: Shipping directly from UK has two advantages. First of all, you guys are saving money on uh, warehouse in China and second, we as customers don't have to feel frustrated when we can't find the exact same model that we saw on the website because they don't ship to China or they don't stock in China.
1: So exactly. that's some of the,
0: yeah, some of the frustrations I have when I shop online on different brands. But you mentioned that brand awareness in China. It's the shirt-torn goal for Sweaty Betty after launching on Tmall Global last week. Can you give us a glimpse of your strategy on this front using Tmall Global? Of course. So
1: with Tmall Global, I mean, I think one of the exciting things is to be able to start to raise our brand awareness um, in the Chinese market. So, um, of course, just being... There on Timor Global, ready for customers to be able to find us. So from a kind of organic perspective is, is obviously wonderful. But at the same time, Timor Global actually has a whole variety of performance marketing tools that can be used. So from things like banner ads on homepages to something called Express Train. Which is actually a type of 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 SEO um, and effectively pushes uh your brand or your products up the um search results when somebody is typing in, let's say, a product like leggings into into the search box on the uh, on the tabout app. So for me, these actually give us the ability to be able to push our product and to uh, expand the um, number of consumers that are, are aware of us who are already shopping on the TMall Global platform. And mm-hmm. as you and I both know, that's actually a slightly higher quality of traffic than on Tmall. Uh Generally, kind of they're already looking to purchase international brands, right. which is why they're on TMall Global. They have slightly higher purchasing power, and so you know, for for me, that's a wonderful target audience. So we're really always keen to um, be raising our brand's awareness amongst that kind of high quality traffic on the Timor Global platform.
0: Did you have to consider special designs or sizes or packaging for China market because local customers have different shapes and tastes in terms of their style? So, one of the
1: things as well for us here at Sweaty Betty is we're actually quite famous for the variety and the color of uh, the prints that we use on our leggings. So, um, you know, we really want to have fun with the leggings and with the activewear that we're designing. And so, I think that's one of the things at the moment that we're not really quite sure about um, on the market here. Mm. So, how our sweaty Batty customer here in China is going to feel about crazy kind of bold prints and colors. Certainly, when you look at the market here, you see much more pastel colors, kind of lilacs, um, soft pinks, soft grays, soft purples. That's kind of more of the color palette I would say here at the moment. So one of the great things that I'm really looking forward to seeing is we have the entire variety of all of our, you know, crazy and wonderful prints on Timor Global. And what I'm very interested to see is where does our customer shop? Where does she go? Where does that traffic go? You know, is she landing on the pink tie dye or the green tie dye that we have for for this quarter in our in our collection? Or is actually she going, you know, for the black and the navy and the lilac? Um, So I think at the moment that's really a a kind of testing process and something that I want to collect a little bit more data on. And Timor Global is able to allow me to do that. From a leggings perspective, fortunately, they come in a different, a huge variety of different lengths. um, So that's great. So normally we recommend actually that for women uh, who are, under um, a meter 65 that actually they use our seven eighths leggings um, or as I called in Chinese, 90% leggings as full length and over one meter 65, then actually they can wear our full lengths as proper full lengths. So the variety of different lengths that we have in our leggings means that actually we're able to, you know, there, there isn't a problem. You can find a fit that will, that, that will fit whatever you're looking for. So that's,
0: that's relatively straightforward. Another interesting thing I found was before COVID, A lot of these yoga brands used to do a lot of events in their flagship stores. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they also marketed their brand via offline channels, including like sports events, uh, festivals. How is this changing now with the situation we're in? And do you think there are some takeaways for other markets from China's e-commerce scene that we're seeing?
1: Sure. I mean, I think here in China, COVID really hasn't had the devastating impact on offline retail that we've seen in other countries. And so for me, if anything, offline experience is now even more important. And I think that China's retail industry is actually world leading in blending online and offline, and actually really genuinely achieving and understanding that concept of new retail. So I think here... I mean, certainly for me, there's absolutely no doubt that offline plays an incredibly important part in shaping the retail experience for customers. It's a key touch point in that purchase journey and and, and always will be, I think, even if that purchase journey is across both online and offline touch points. You know, you almost have the search initially online potentially Search and discovery. I mean, that could also be offline. But at, at some point, you have to have the offline experience, of being able to actually come into a store or into a pop-up and touch and feel the product before you know. Really, you'll be you'll be purchasing. I think more of that product. So, so offline, I think, is is incredibly important. And um, I'm looking forward to to thinking about what that looks like for Swati Betty in the next twelve months or so.
0: I was in your store yesterday, and. The online experience was more young and vibrant compared to the physical store, I felt. And I'm mm-hmm. just wondering, is that on purpose or is it a legacy issue, Or what are you guys thinking about in terms of refreshing or changing your brick and mortar look and feel in the UK and or Asia? You know, brands like Gentle Monster come
1: to mind um, with their kind of incredible, almost art installation type store
0: experience yeah
1: exactly where you know actually it's just sunglasses actually that they're, that they're selling but you walk into the store and it's a, it's a whole experience right it's incredible i went to i went actually into the store in london about a year ago now with my family and we just spent a couple of, i mean it was amazing right like looking at all of these installations so certainly for us we will have to be thinking about how do we bring a really world class best practice retail experience to our customers here in China. And I think that's an incredibly exciting challenge. you know how can we think about the way in which we do retail differently? For us, something that we um, do in, in London in our flagship store in Carnaby Street is actually to blend that idea of experience into the, the shopping experience as well. So for us on, in our store on Carnaby Street we have um, retail, of course on the on the ground floor, we actually upstairs have a food and beverage. So we have a coffee shop, which mm-hmm. sells all sorts of wonderful different different bits and pieces. Um, we've got smoothies, there's all sorts of vegetarian and vegan offerings and so on and so forth. We actually have a hair salon upstairs as well. Oh. And then on the basement floor, we have a studio. And so, you know, you've got that idea of, of kind of three in one um, in almost feeling like a clubhouse, actually.
0: Going back to our conversation about your digital strategy and having that modern look and feel on your website, I think digitization does make you more nimble in branding and brand awareness. So is this something that's part of your strategy during market expansion? For example, using AI features that Tmall Global provides or trying to target younger audience by having more adventurous type of designs that you guys only unsell online?
1: I think, yeah, I think there are a number of tools that we can play with. Certainly the AI features. You're going to need to tell me more about those because I'm not very familiar with those. Um, So we uh, we can follow up on that one afterwards. But for me, I mean, we're entering China with a digital first strategy very clearly. So I think you can see in that sense where our priorities are at least in the short term. I don't think that's necessarily to do with youth or the age of consumer it's it's actually more about reach and flexibility I think so when you talk about you talk about online you talk about video content and the rise of video content actually over static imagery and I think that's where you can start to play and really have some fun uh, in terms of being able to encapsulate the feeling of a brand in a moving image so that's certainly an area that we're exploring we have some great video as it is be it kind of branded content or indeed actually class content and something we work with over about 150 or so content creators that we work with around the world to ensure actually that that our content is is on point um, that it's led by experts and uh yeah that it's it's kind of really bringing something else to that sweaty betty experience as well
0: well, as a fan of Sportswear and Sweaty Betty, I'm excited to see what's more in store for you guys on World Global.
1: Thank you so much. So am I. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing your insights today. That was really helpful. Wonderful. Thank you again so much for having me, Monica. Thank you.